Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aliyah. And I'm Corey. And today we have back on the podcast, the marvelous, the wonderful, epic Pedro Almeida from AMP Reacts. Thank you so much for coming back on, Pedro. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I see the, the crew here has gotten improved uh, from the 2023 crew to the 2024. So you guys upgraded. <laughs> have you met me? <laughs> You're definitely an upgrade. You're definitely an upgrade. I do my best. I do my best. At least I made sure I had coffee today. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a definitely a good start. Um, yeah. But as far as, as, as far as starting goes, I am going to let you kick off the conversation, Corey, because you had a topic you wanted to bring up with Pedro. I did. So for those of you who are, and you should be familiar with Pedro, you know that he travels all over the world. He has a footprint all over the world, and he maintains that from his home in Canada. So for those who are looking to break into international markets and to network more with international markets, let's just start at the beginning. How do you think people should start approaching international markets where they may want to make more connections or more um uh, start building a footprint there, whether they're a podcaster or a band, where do you think they should get started? Because I know there's things from language barriers to cultural barriers, and uh, you've seemed to have broken them all. So where do we start? It, it's hard to pinpoint just on one place to start. I think I think uh, you, you should start like in multiple ways or when multiple avenues, I should say. And then, you know, kind of find your own way through those avenues in terms of what works best for you and mm -hmm. what you're more comfortable with. Because at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with yourself and the environment that you're putting yourself into, uh, because otherwise it's going to seem very disingenuous. It's just not going to seem real. You're not going to seem like you're, you're you're really caring for what you're doing. That's going to come across in whatever it is that you're doing, either be podcasting or uh, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, if you're trying to hit a new market, if you're a musician and you're trying to break through, you, you just have to do it in a way that's natural for you. So I I feel like it's best to put a lot of fielders out and, and, and then kind of, uh, you know, retrieve back from those fielders your own sense of, of comfort and, and what worked best and, and where you can improve. Um, and, and I would say one of the things you should do is get yourself out of your comfort zone. I, I think that's really important. I think most most people either be musicians, uh, people in the music industry, podcast, PR, uh, people tend to stand too much sometimes within their comfort zone in terms of what worked in the past. And they feel like just because it worked in the past will always going to work. And that's not the case. Um, and you also have to be open for changes, be able to change midstream. Don't 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 marry yourself to an idea. Don't marry yourself to a concept. Don't 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 be afraid of evolving and changing yourself and, and reinventing yourself as long as, once again, going back to the original point, as long as you're doing it not to please uh, a specific audience, but rather to do something that feels comfortable and natural to you. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I think if you're starting to try to please others, you end up not pleasing yourself. And at the end of the day, uh, the longevity of whatever it is that you're doing is going to be very narrow and very limited. So I, I would say put the fielders out there, do what feels right for you. Don't be afraid of going outside the box. Don't be afraid of, of, of doing something that feels at the beginning perhaps unnatural um, and, and, and just take that kind of approach. I think those are the best ways at least um, to get started. Of course. And Aliyah, before I ask my next question, do you have a follow-up? Um, I was just going to ask you, are there examples of ways that bands have connected with you that you think have been more effective than others? Oh, a ton. I mean, one of the biggest issues I find with bands is that they care about uh, reaching out to people like myself uh, when there's an album cycle. And I think as, as important as that is, obviously, I, I think you have to build the roots and the connection and the networking way before the album cycle comes around. And I think part of that album cycle should be a complete understanding of what you want from day one until the beyond the day the album gets released, because you have to work on the connections. You have to work. You have to network way before the album is ready and way after the album is released. And if you're only concentrating on networking at the time, a week, two weeks, three weeks before the album comes out, you're already 
setting yourself up for failure. So it, the moment you start thinking, okay, I'm going to be working on a record at that moment, at that exact moment, you should start to create a vision board of what, what do you want to achieve and how you're going to achieve it? And, and what can you do before the album? What can you do during the album? What can you do while the album is coming out and always continue? And, and you have to always really keep those doors open. It's really important because there's a million bands out there. And if you think you're just going to connect with somebody during a very short period of time and getting what you want from that person or from those people during that time, when you never really talked to them or interacted with them, for you know two or three years around that bubble that you're currently in it's not going to work it's just not going to work people are not going to give you the attention they're not going to do for you what you want them to do for you so you know and i'm not trying to say to fake a relationship or or to fake uh interest in what other people are doing but genuinely build connections i'm not talking about just knowing a person genuinely build connections to the point where when you see each other you're like hey how's your son doing uh mm -hmm. i saw that he you know scored three goals in the soccer game that that kind of stuff goes a long way and we live in an era where that information is easily available if you have facebook if you have instagram take take time to comment on people's posts take time the thing that drives me nuts is is people on bands sending me messages on facebook or or on instagram uh, we have an album coming out tomorrow. Can you check out this song? Like, okay, who are you? Where were you two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Or if you did that once and it worked, and then you go for two years without even saying hello, and suddenly you have another album coming out and you're reaching out, uh, you, you missed the boat. because you, you, can't, you can't really do that. You have to... Uh, build original connections with people, you know, and, and uh, networking is it's kind of like a plant. You have to order it in order for the plant to thrive. You can't just wait for the plant to be yellow and then it's like, oh shit, I forgot to post some water on that. And it's not going to work. That's my yeah. gardening skill level. Go ahead, Corey. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and this just comes back to the point that you brought up at the very beginning of being authentic. Um, you don't have to fake relationships in order to have a professional network because there's definitely a difference between being friends with everybody and having, you know, nice professional relationships that you have cultivated. Um, but one thing that you did point out, how do bands toe the line between developing those relationships and making those connections with the personal details and not coming off as creepy? <laughs> I, I think if you if you get to a point where you establish a I mean, not off the bat, right? But mm -hmm. if you get to a point where you establish a relationship um with a person or with mm -hmm. the people, then it doesn't come off it doesn't come across in that way because you already have that a little bit more deeper relationship with a person. Off the bat, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest, you know, doing that because it, it will sound creepy, it will sound weird. But once you have a, a deeper relationship with a person, like I, you know, I have friends that I've made in bands that, you know, for example, I know they have kids or I know that they like a specific cartoon. So um, when um, Attack on Titan, for example, was coming out with the last episode, I know a couple of guys that are into it. Uh, I, I I didn't even do it from a networking standpoint. I just did it because genuinely I like the show. I know they like the show. I was like, hey, did you guys watch the latest episode? You know, what did you guys think? And And those kind of messages, those kind of conversations that have nothing to do with music that have nothing to do with their their tour or their album or or what I'm doing or even me trying to get an interview or something like that. Those kind of conversations go a long way from, from my standpoint. From a band standpoint, for example, I think goes a long way when you're playing in a town and, and you know somebody's from that town, inviting them to come to a show, inviting them to, to, to be at the show, um, or even if they're doing an album release party, inviting you to go. If you if the person comes or not, that's a completely different story altogether. But the invitation goes goes a long way because you, you, you can't send the person a message saying, hey, you know, can you play my song on your radio station or can you cover your my song on, on your platform or whatever? And then when there's something that you can give the person in, in return as almost as like you scratch my back, I scratch yours, you know, that is not there. And, and, mm -hmm. and you start noticing the ones that do it versus the ones that don't. And then the ones that do it got pushed into the front of the line and the ones that don't got pushed into the back of the line. That's just how it is. No, and it's actually, I don't know if you noticed me and Aaliyah kind of laughing because this exact situation happened yesterday where I got my very first invite directly from a band, not a PR or anything like, hey, we would love to hang out with you again. We're playing in LA on Monday. 
will you come and just hang out with us? Come enjoy the show with us. And I was like, I, I can, Aaliyah can tell you, I was blown away because that's the first time a band actually was like, hey, we want to see you come and hang out with us to me. And they didn't ask me for anything other than coming to hang out. Yeah. And now I'm probably going to be bringing a certain label individual with me because this band has made a quite an impression upon me. I loved them before. I love them even more now. So yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that, that you, you, you know, and you don't uh, have to do that, but you don't I mean, have to, the, the, the fact is that they don't have to do that. And when they mm -hmm. do that, they set themselves apart from other bands. Uh, exactly. I'll give you two really quick examples. Uh, Orbit Culture, Nano War of Steel. Both okay. bands last year, when they weren't touring in North America, I didn't ask to come to the show. I was going to mm -hmm. go anyways, but I didn't ask anything. Both bands messaged me privately and said, hey, we're playing in Toronto on this date. We would love to have you and Antonio come to the show and hang out with us. And I think that goes a long way. Like I was going to go regardless, but the fact that they did that. And then when you get there, they give you the VIP treatment with all access pass, you know, hanging out with you for the whole night, you know, all of this stuff. Obviously, if there's something that down the line, they ask you, hey, can you do me this solid? Can you do? You're never going to say no, because they went out of their way. To, to make you feel special. Networking is like relationships. You're not going to stay in a relationship where you don't feel special. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have to make others feel special and others have to make you feel special. And I feel like the ones that you're able to achieve that with or the ones that are able to understand that dynamic are going to go a lot further than the ones that don't. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking like small gestures of kindness, right? I feel like mm -hmm. one of the things that and they have to come from a genuine and authentic place. But I mean, I'm thinking about one of the things that we did that was maybe the most impactful networking. One of the most impactful networking things we did was when we played, we opened for Visions of Atlantis. We got Clementine, a basket of Clementine's oranges. And, nice touch, I must say. And gave them to her before the show. And she loved it. And she shouted us out on her Instagram, which also was an... A, a nice gesture, like extremely kind mm -hmm. gesture. And it's just like, we didn't do that to get a shout out from her. We did it just to be nice. And cause it, you know, it was and funny. Think, <laughs> and I think one piece that's important is that the word gets out. All right. So, mm -hmm. uh, it gets out both ways. So for example, when, when you, when you're on my, when you're on my side of the fence and you do these kind of things, uh, like, like winter sun, uh, a perfect example, the last time they were in North America touring, they had a day off. On their day off, they were in Toronto. I took them to Niagara Falls to show them Niagara Falls. Now, my interest in that trip was, man, I get to hang out with the dudes from Wintersun for the whole day. This is fucking mint. So I'm already winning as far as I get to hang out with those guys, you, a band that I am I'm, that I love. And then I brought them over to my house and we had Thanksgiving because it was on Canadian Thanksgiving. We had Thanksgiving uh, dinner. So uh, you, you do that for that band that you really like and you're doing it because you really want to show them a good time when they're in town. And you and that's how you're building those those connections in those networks. Then what happens is the word gets out. Oh, Pedro is a super nice guy. He took care of us when we were in town. He did this, he did this and did that because it's a big world, but it's a small world. Everybody talks to one another. Next thing you know, you know, one guy from that band now is playing on another band or on another band. And then that band comes to town and then suddenly Nightwish was in town, and then Yuka was like, Pedro, family, come to the show. You know, I want to have you guys at the show because you guys were so nice to us when we were there. I'm here with Nightwish. Now I want to, you know, you know, give back to you guys and have you all at the show. So those kind of things, the word gets out, and, and it becomes much easier to network, and it becomes a lot easier. But once again, it has to be genuine. You, you can't do this because you have, like, this ulterior motive in mind. It's really about building relationships and connections with people. And that is from my end towards the bands. But bands do the same exact thing with me and other people that that have platforms. It's has to be that mutual. And those are the bands that get pushed, like I said, to the front and the other ones get pushed to the back. Exactly. Aliyah, you look like you have a follow-up. Something to say. Well, I was <laughs> just wanting to maybe we could take it back to how we can apply this to international relationships. If you don't mm -hmm. see those people in person so much what are things that you can do to yeah but i think the in the international aspect there's a, a, a huge advantage so if you're my, my from my example i'm in canada so if if a band who's in finland or norway it might be difficult for them to hit the north american market 
And it might be difficult for them to hit the North American market through the U.S., which is a market that's a lot more crowded. So Canada is a nice little segue into the North American market because you're in North America. When there's a North American tour, you come to Canada, you play Toronto, all of these things. So it's a nice way to get into that market. So it's up to you, to, uh, in my case, up to me, to also see the opportunity in order to help promote certain bands that don't have visibility here and then build the relationship almost from, from a grassroots ground level point of view. That, you know, you're, you're giving an opportunity to a band that you see talent in, that you see that they have, uh, you know, ability to go further than where they currently are. And they just need that right opportunity to hit the right market. I mentioned Orbit Culture. We supported Orbit Culture when nobody knew who Orbit Culture was. Like nobody knew who Orbit, uh, Electric Callboy. If you go back, if you go see reaction videos from Electric Callboy, we, uh, it's, it's, yeah, Electric, back in the day was Eskimo. So uh, if you go see an Eskimo Callboy reaction video, I think we have one of the first videos ever done. Because at that time, nobody knew who they were and nobody cared. They weren't popular. So, you know, jumping early, finding talent, seeing the talent, recognizing the talent, and then offering yourself as, as a gateway for bands who are abroad to enter this market through your platform, you're, you're, you're investing in them as much as they're investing in you. It, mm -hmm. It's really mutual. And then when you see those bands grow, when you see them then hit the levels that some of these bands are hitting now, guess what? You've been there from the beginning. So it's not like you're really just you know, writing their coattails now is not like you're jumping on the bandwagon. So I, I think it also takes a little bit of an eye, or in this case, an ear, for, <laughs> for talent and to see, uh, to kind of see the forest from the trees and not be afraid once again of going outside, because it's easy to, you know, to promote a sleep token these days. It, it's easy to promote bands like Spirit Box these days when they're super popular already. And I find that a lot of people try to latch onto them at that stage now, when which they are currently in, which now they're not going to have time for you, or it's going to be a lot harder for you to build that connection. So I think you have to you have to invest time, effort in the talent that's there abroad, and mm -hmm. then offer them the opportunity to hit your market. And you're thinking that they're going to grow, you're going to grow, and at the same time, you're going to grow in their market because they're going to promote you on their side as much as you're promoting them on your side. So you're becoming more popular internationally within their market. Because they're sharing your videos and they're giving you shout outs and they may already have a following in that market. They just don't have a following here. And at the same time, you're giving them a shout out here. So you're promoting them in this market. It's it, it, You really have to think ahead when it comes to, mm -hmm. to, to try to branch out to other markets in other areas. Mm -hmm. Are we and, getting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You. Go. I was going to ask, are we getting to where you wanted to go with this, Corey? Uh, no, but it brought up another question that I had. Um, so let's apply this to bands just really quick. Would you agree that maybe supporting other bands that are in markets that you want to go to, that is a good move as well? So say you want to, let's just use Norway as an example. Say you want to do a tour or a show in Norway Finding bands that you really connect with, finding bands that you really um, want to support. And as they go on tour, you know, you move your way over that way. I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And I think you can look at that from two points. Uh, one is even build the relationships with those bands mm -hmm. uh, when, when they're posting uh, their music video, when, when they're posting something, commenting on it, you know, like, I really dig this. Uh, you know, build the relationship from that standpoint. I, I think you can also work on on that when bands come here. Mm -hmm. So, for example, let's use Norway as an example. Uh, if a band from Norway is playing in North America or touring in North America, even if they're not that big, you know, building that relationship while they're here, helping them out with whatever it is that, you know, logistics, maybe, you know, offering them whatever assistance. Hey, we're here. You guys are coming here. We know this is your first tour. If you need any help, if you need anything, contacts, whatever, let us know. We can help you out. And then, you know, that opens the door for you to say later on down the road, hey, we would like to go and play some shows there. Can you guys like kind of help us out? Can you guys open some doors for us? Can you guys introduce us to some of the right people? So I, I, I think there you can work that magic on both ends of the spectrum. Once again, mm -hmm. the kind of scratching my back and I'll scratch your back. 
where you can help them on this side and then they can help you on the other side. Um, but but I think if you're a band right now in North America, for example, and you're trying to break into uh, markets like Norway, Iceland, Finland, markets that are already like super crowded that have um, that have already such a strong musical base in terms of what they offer there this is the best way to do it is, is to really find a band that's already established there or, or starting to break through in those in those markets and, and help them out on whatever they can on this side so that they can do you a solid and then bring you over there for for a tour because otherwise on your own to try to go there trailblaze it on your own mm-hmm. um or, or try to build connections at that point in time i, I think it's going to be a recipe for failure and and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, or just tell me if you agree. Approaching a band that you like that's coming over to the States for the first time, or in your case, Canada, and saying, hey, can we be the local opener? How do you feel about bands who go that around, go that route? Because to me, it would be like um, somebody just coming straight out of the gate and, hey, I have an album coming out tomorrow, check it out. without, Or maybe they could offer, hey, We'll take you guys out to dinner, show you the best spot in town. I know it's your first time in town or something like that. Thoughts, opinions. I I, I think that works well. And I can give you mm-hmm. an example. I'm actually wearing the shirt. Hinaina from, from Texas, um, when they, before they got signed to Napalm Records, uh, whenever Wolfheart or bands that they actually liked, that they actually listened to their music, would release a video or release a song, they would share it on their own social media. Mm-hmm. And they would say, you know, like, you know, we really like this band. If you're listening to our music, and you've never heard of these guys. And Wolfhart didn't have at that time a huge following in North America, but they already had an established following in Finland and Scandinavia. So what they would do over here, because I saw this with my own eyes, they would share the music videos, they would comment on the music videos, uh, they would share it with their own limited fan base, but share it nevertheless. Um, and then they uh, would approach the local venue, not necessarily the band, but the local venue that's hosting the show and say, hey, this band is coming here. Could we do the opening slot for this band? And they got a few opening slots like that. And then when they were opening, it was it, it, the, the, the building of the connection was not as strange because the band already knew that they shared their music. So they kind of they didn't know each other, but they kind of virtually knew who they were. Mm-hmm. So then when you were at that show, you were able to like, oh, I'm so Finally get to meet you, big fan of your band, love your music, been sharing all of your stuff, you know, and you you genuinely build that relationship. That band then comes back again on another tour, because let's face it, when you get a visa, you normally do two tours on the same visa. So you come back on another tour. Same thing happens. Guess what? Now you find out or you can put the fielders out. Hey, I I know you guys probably going to be doing a European tour soon. If you need an opening band. We would love to be there with you guys. And guess what? The band already did a couple of shows with these guys. They already know that they are capable. They already there's already like this the 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 simmering of a relationship brewing. It makes it a lot easier for a band like Wolfheart to take these guys from Hinaina on tour there because they're not taking a bunch of strangers. They're already taking people that they kind of know. And mm-hmm. then and then the other thing you can do is also you know, I'm doing a record. I would love to have you doing some guest vocals on a track, or I would like to have you do some guitar on a track. All of these small things are nice ways of building that that opportunity that you can then go on a tour with them. And this is a perfect example because this is exactly what has happened to them. Uh, they've gone on two tours with Wolfheart in Europe, and that's how that relationship is built. So you could actually look at what those guys did as the perfect blueprint of how to break into a, an European market that is you know, uh, that has a huge love affair for your same style of music. And at the same time, you're partnering up with a band that's already established there, not here, but there. And and you're kind of writing their coattails a little bit into that market, but they don't mind that because it doesn't feel that way. It feels like, Hey, you know, we're doing these guys a solid because we wish somebody did a solid for us when we are coming up. So Mm -hmm. there's that partnership there. So I think that's a great way of doing it but once again it starts earlier you don't start when the tour is announced you have to start way earlier oh yeah definitely i was just getting ready to say that it all goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of you've got to start there's like a three-year bubble of when you need to be working on all of this for sure for sure (laughs) and i think a lot of bands don't see it that way Uh, and then they see the end of the album cycle as the end Mm-hmm. But it, it it shouldn't be. It should be the end of the album cycle is the opening door for the next album cycle. It, it, it should kind of work that way. 
Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that that starting early is a very important and, and one, to, one thing to consider with that is you can't be basing this off of um, band's popularity only. Like you can, you should be basing it off of whether they share similar, like if you like their music, if you like them as people, like some things that you can authentically connect with on, um, not just whether or not they're popular or not. No, in the fan bases, like does your music and their music kind of have the same kind of Venn diagram where there's a little bit of a fan base that meets in the middle. I think that's really important because it, it, like Shield of Wings, if you guys are networking with with uh, Misery Index, I don't think that's going to work because mm-hmm. the fan bases are just not quite the same, right? So you've got to network oh, yeah. with with the visions of Atlantis. That works a lot better, you know? So I, I, I think you also have to understand like the market and, and – who who are you trying to um, who are you trying to target? But also, like I said, if you're a smaller band, always look for a band that's a, a little bit of a step above you, not a step equal to you, not a step below you, not ten steps above. One that's just a little bit above where you are, where you can help them within your market for them to break through within your market, so that they can do the same for you and help you break through with their within their market. Like there's a lot of bands that have an, a massive following in Scandinavia and Europe, and they're fairly unknown here. So you can you can do a lot for a band like that here, and then you know have that relationship then help you play better shows there. You know. Good points. Good points. Now, Corey, you said we were not going in the direction you originally intended. You want to take us back? Oh no, no, to... we looped back around to the direction I originally intended. So <laughs> oh, perfect. It's all good. It's it's full circle. It is all full circle. Um, so before I switch gears, though, did you want to ask anything there, Aaliyah? No, I think that's pretty good. Okay. Bow on that topic. That topic. Okay. So my my question is, it's very expensive to do this, but at what point do you think people should start? to actually physically go to some of these markets, maybe to attend festivals, just to get their footprint, get their face known, something along those lines. I think attending, before you even do a tour, before you even think of doing a tour, I think the best thing you should do is attend festivals, but not just any festival, and don't attend the festival with the idea that you're gonna go there and get hammered, and you're gonna watch the bands. No, you should be going there to network. You should be going there to meet people, to uh, get to know people. And you should also understand that sometimes, because at the end of the day, this is a business. So I think you, you should understand that sometimes you have to spend money in order to make money. You, you know, you're not always going to make money. Sometimes you have to spend money in order to make money. Um, it's really important. Uh, we we had an opportunity a couple of years ago to go to Iceland to be judges in the Vakken medal battle in Iceland. Now, this is an opportunity that is not going to make us money. But it's an opportunity that's going to cost us money, but it's going to also open doors and build relationships towards the future. I cannot tell you how many doors that one trip created for us. It, it, it's incredible because you had people there from Metal Hammer. You had people there from other festivals. You had European promoters there. You had you know PR from different labels, independent PR companies. Uh, it, it's just incredible. And then everybody knows everybody. So you go there, you network, you build these relationships, you get to know people. Uh, suddenly those people are saying, hey, I want to come to Canada uh, to do something. Can I stay at your place? Sure, of course, you can stay at my place. That, now you have that kind of, of relationship. Now you you want perhaps to reach out to a market or, or to somebody that you may not have a direct connection with. Okay, but now you have a bridge. You can go through this person and say, hey, you know, I know you're friends with this guy. I don't know who they are. Can you at least put a good word for me? I'm looking at to doing this. And because you build that trust and you build that relationship, those doors will open. So I think you have to spend money in order to make money. I think you have to uh, take all the opportunities that you can. A lot of the festivals in Europe have like uh, panels. They have like, you know, schmooze fests where you get to meet everybody from the industry. Uh, We're going to Inferno this year. We're going to Inferno uh, 2024. We're actually doing a panel there on this kind of topic. Well, not kind of this, but we're a panel on social media and the presence of of podcasters and YouTubers on social media and promoting 
metal through that platform, which become a lot bigger than even magazines. So we're we're being we were invited to be part of a panel there. That would have never happened if we hadn't gone to Iceland two years ago, if we hadn't gone to Prague Power last year, if we hadn't built relationships with people who are in these positions, who then look at you as someone that can add value to whatever it is that they're promoting, and then more doors open even from that point on. And then it's just like a roller coaster. It's, it's like a snowball effect because it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. So I, I think sometimes people are short-sighted. Uh, some, I know I know a few people who were invited, for example, to go to Iceland when we did, and they turned it down because it was too costly. There was no return on your investment. And ah, Vakan Metal Battle is such a small thing. Who cares? And I, I unfortunately and I, couldn't go because I would have joined you on that panel, but it was uh, the same weekend as another thing I had to go do. Sadly. I wasn't referring to you, by the way. I was just—I was just saying I didn't ditch on it. I wanted to go, but I had another thing I had to do. No, it, it's just great because it's such a, a relaxed environment. It really is a super relaxed environment. You're—you're you're there for like a week, so you're hanging out with these people. You see them every day. You know what I mean? So you know it, it's you—you—you you, you remove all of these barriers, and it becomes just really about you, the person. Because I know when we got there and we're like, you know, everybody's like, uh, okay, I'm the chief editor of this magazine. I'm the chief editor. What about you guys? Yeah, we have a YouTube channel. And everybody's looking at us like, I don't know, like we were uh, the uh, Sasquatch or something like, you know, what the hell? Who are these two guys? By the end of the week, it was a different story because, you know, they heard what we had to say. They heard our input when we were judging. They they hang out with us. So they th that, that YouTube stigma kind of disappeared and it became about who do they are and and what do they know and what they brought to the table and then the connections built from there and now inferno this year same thing they have a whole schmooze fest the day before the festival starts you go there you network you meet people uh give them your business card maybe share some ideas of what you would like to do and how you could add value to their to their existing product already um have that in the back of your mind not just say i want to do this Everybody wants to do something, but what's the return on your investment? Uh, what value can you bring to a platform that already exists that that from the get-go, you know, you're getting way more than what you're giving, but you can perhaps still give something that it's missing. And it may seem like what you're giving, if it's a very small piece, but it could be a small piece that makes this whole big machine then turn in a much different direction. So I think it's really important to do that. It's to, to go network, talk to the people who run the festivals, participate in the panels, attend the panels, ask questions. Um, if you know local bands that are playing there and maybe if they have a show, they can do a show that day and, and you can participate, maybe do a guest vocal thing, whatever. Um, ask the bands who is the local promoters, who, who who's doing this, who's doing that. Network. Don't like don't go there and just sit at the back and enjoy the show and say that, you know, the headliner was great and you had a bunch of beers and then you come back with absolutely nothing in your back pocket. That's the worst mistake you can make. And and, and sorry, and Aliyah, you were at, at Prague Power as we were. I, I don't think I watched a single band. I didn't watch a single band. Like you, from start you were to pretty finish. busy, yeah. I was all over the place, like talking to bands, doing interviews, talking to their management, to, to PR, you know, to the festival guys, trying to network as much as I can so that you can build relations and you can continue to build these connections way past the, the festival itself. Yeah, and I was just going to say, uh, the last festival that I went to, I saw two songs, not two sets, two songs. And that was it for the entire weekend that was that was all the rest of the time i was doing exactly lo what you said yeah I you have to you have to it's a grind <laughs> yeah and, and it's a small world and it's a small world i think you you, you have to be nice to people mm -hmm. um think about that if you're nice to someone that person is gonna eventually talk to somebody else who you might need a connection with uh, it's a small, it's a really small world. Like I, I can't tell you how many people when we started this YouTube channel were interns at a PR firm and now they're managing a whole festival. Like it, it's, it's crazy the growth that they've had. And now that you built that relationship when they were an intern, now they come back to you as, Hey, you know what? You, you had my back when I was nobody. So now I'm going to open some doors for you to help you reach where you want to go. And and I think that's really important. Some sometimes bands um, 
for example, when they're looking at who's doing the interviews and, and what coverage they're getting, they, they everybody wants the metal hammers, everybody wants the decibels, everybody wants loud wire. That's not possible, right? So I think you have to look at uh, perhaps not just at the current size of the platform, but the potential within that platform. And if you see the potential within that platform, I think it's worth your time. It really doesn't cost you anything. And the, the possible gains in the future are limitless. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I have to admit that I was the one that wanted to watch more of the bands at Prague Power. <laughs> I mean, I was my first time going. I've not, I've never really been to many festivals. So it was just like such an opportunity for me as a fan to really experience music in a way that I hadn't before. But yeah, I guess I could try next time I go to a festival to not do that so much. I don't think I've, of all the festivals that I've been to, I don't think I've ever seen one band play full set ever at any festival i'm just I, I to be honest with you i'd rather just do the networking that we're talking about to me that is a lot more interesting you know um building those relationships talking to the people and 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 for, I, I thrive more because if i want to see the band i can always see the band the next time they come around it's not like unless it's a band like that normally doesn't tour or well, whatever i mean like there's Mirath, you can't like Murath, you gotta watch them Exactly. Like that, that's a different, those cases are cases, individual cases, but I think there's time for everything. I think you can do everything like, uh, with, with, uh, Prague power, for example, they had those, those schmoozes at the end of, uh, day three and day four. So if you are an upcoming band, if you are a small band, if you are a PR person, if you are someone like me, those opportunities, when everybody's having a drink, the guard is down, everybody's in a relaxed mode, great way to meet people, build connections, have a great time, and, and then take it from that step into the next step. Don't bother them with a demo, please don't do that, but build connections. Well, how do you recommend people initiate conversations then if without doing that like oh hey i'm also in a band like oh hey here's my demo I, I think if you know somebody who knows that person that's the best way it's the most seamless way uh, of doing I, I do that for my friends here in toronto all the time if i'm at a show with a friend of mine who's in a band and i know the guys in the band and especially if they have the same similar sound or or there's a little bit of a similarity to to the bands I'm always the kind of guy that says, okay, you know what? I'm I'm going to hang out with them either before the show or after the show. Come with me. I'll introduce you to the guys, you know, hang out with us that evening. It's a way for you to, 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 to build that relationship, to really foster that relationship. And then the next time they come to town, maybe they'll invite you to open for them, or maybe they'll invite you to come to the show. So I think if you know somebody who can be the mediator, if you will, it becomes more natural. It becomes less awkward right um if you don't then i think the best thing to do is just say that you know i love your music i love your band um i follow you on 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 social media i have a band and maybe ask for a tip like um is there some piece of advice you could give me it's something along those lines and, and not in a way that you feel like you're um you know you're trying to sell them something you know what i mean and one thing I want to maybe add to that just a little bit is don't be afraid to talk to strangers. If you don't necessarily know who the person is, you can still strike up a conversation in a way that is organic. Uh, here's an example. I go to Aftershock every year. And back in the media area, there's usually a line for where you can get there. There's like a drink stand. It's like a coffee stand that's in there. And I'll talk to the people who are standing next to me in line. And then as the conversation goes, oh, hi, I'm Corey and I'm Sam or whatever. And then we both just exchange what we do. And if you end up happy, happening to talk to somebody who's big or a major artist and you didn't even realize who it was, a lot of the times those major artists will one kind of, they, I found ones that they don't think, they think it's kind of funny, but they're also kind of relieved that it's not somebody like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. Um, they're just like, oh, I actually have the opportunity to introduce myself to someone again. And it, it's so don't be afraid of embarrassing yourself in that way. Um, and then also don't be afraid to talk to strangers while you're standing in line or whatever, if you happen to make your way back to one of the more artist friendly areas. I agree 100%. I literally I talk to everybody. I don't I don't even it doesn't matter. I don't. And it goes back to another thing you were saying of you don't know 
where someone's career is going to take them. Because, I mean, some people won't give the small journalists uh, a t- uh, the time of day. They may be in the media area, but they're sitting there by themselves. I'll be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, man, it's hot. And then, you know, we'll just go from there. So you never know where somebody's career is going to take them. And don't be afraid to talk to strangers. <laughs> I, I, uh, I I couldn't have said it better. I 100% agree with you. I think having that and also if you're in a in a if we're talking about specifically about bands i think it's also important for you to know within your band who, who's the better person to do that because what i find sometimes is on my end when i'm doing interviews sometimes i feel like the band sends the wrong person to do the interview they send a very introverted person for example that's not the right person i don't care if you wrote all the music you know what I mean? I don't care if he's like Bruce Springsteen. If the guy or the girl is has an introverted personality, if they're not comfortable in front of a camera talking and whatever, don't send that person to do the interview. Send send somebody else. Like it's really important because you you also have to uh, put yourself in a position to succeed, not in a position to fail. And I think sometimes bands don't realize that that these little things are important like you you said like you know even talking to a small journalist still give that person the same effort as you would if you were talking to a big journalist because you never know who's going to read that you never know who's going to see that uh michael jordan used to say that he played hard every single game because there would be somebody in the audience that was seeing him for the very first time and he didn't want that person to go home thinking that he sucked so he always gave it 110 percent for that one person that was seeing him for the first time and I think everybody should do that. Put yourself in a position to succeed, not in a position to fail. Find within your band who perhaps is better at networking and then have that person be the one doing the networking, even if they're not the main writer, even if they're not the main person within the band. Definitely. Yeah, I think that the only complication when it comes to like actual interviews with um, when in an album release cycle is if an interviewer asks a question that they might not know. So do you have a way to mitigate that would be to just kind of prep ahead of time? Do you have any tips on maybe if somebody isn't the main songwriter for a band, but they are the one that's going to be doing the interviews, what should they be prepared for that they might not just know offhand? I think the band should prep that person, whoever that person is. Go through everything, songwriting, creative process, how everything went. Uh, and maybe not necessarily in detail, but into in 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 at least with enough detail that they can answer a question, uh, you know, in an interesting matter, right? But the worst thing you could have is a person say, "Well, I didn't write the music. I I, I can't answer that question." Like that happens quite a bit too, and it's it's it, it makes it feel like the person is just like a hired gun. Somebody just hired him to play guitar, and the guy had like no clue what happened on the record. So I think you can prep the person, but those things are easier to mitigate than having somebody who worked on the music but it's not comfortable talking or is not an extroverted person. Because I think if you have an extroverted person doing the interview, you never really know where that that interview is going to go. Uh, I know from my own personal experience, if I'm talking to somebody who's super extroverted, forget about the questions that I had in mind. Those questions completely go uh, like they, they go uh, away. I don't even look at them because now the conversation is what's going to dictate the interview. Your answer is going to dictate my next question. My next question is going to dictate your answer. And now suddenly it's not an even interview anymore. We're just chatting. We're just having a conversation. We're just talking about your music. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, the more media-friendly platforms now have such a great success is because it gives the listener, it gives the fans their that more um, less constricted format that you had in, in, in writing media format. Where, where it's more just people talking, where it's more just of a conversation. We live in an era where everybody's a little bit of a voyeur. Everybody, that's why reality shows work really well. So if you can create an interview style, and if you can have a person from the band's point of view that fits that interview style of where the conversation becomes more of a chat, that is going to be a lot more successful for the person doing the interview and for the person being interviewed. It's just a problem if everyone in your band's an introvert. <laughs> well, I like, would like to say, <laughs> there's difference between being an introvert, introvert, and being socially like awkward and awkward. unable to talk to people. I yes. am an introvert in that when I'm in large crowds of people and I'm around talking to people all day or all weekend, if I'm at a festival, that following Monday, I need a nap. 
<laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I do my best carrying myself and trying to talk to people. So there, I think that there's a little bit of a difference. You all can be introverts, but one of you's got to have a set of balls and be able to talk to people a little bit, even if you need a nap afterwards. <laughs> fair, fair enough. And I'm glad we took that away because I do think a lot of people identify as introverts. Like mm -hmm. they hear that word and they're like, well, I'm an introvert, so I guess I shouldn't be doing interviews. So let's just clarify that a little bit. We're not really just talking about people that are introverted. It's more about what that clarification Pedro made. Like if you're comfortable talking in front of a camera, having a conversation with people, then you might be able to do. The yeah, as long as you're not giving answers of yes, no, yes, no, because you, you have to put yourself in the person's shoes that it's listening to the conversation. If you were that person, would you want to listen to that? You wouldn't. So if you wouldn't want to listen to that, why are you creating that? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that to me is key. And I, and I think if you come in, um, also, if you know the person who's doing the interview, that plays a role too, because now suddenly you're a little bit more comfortable. You don't feel the pressure. You, your guard is down. You can talk a little bit more freely. There's a lot of moving pieces, but I think it's really important from a band standpoint to do their homework. First of all, know who's doing the interview. What's their style? What kind of person they are? Uh, what kind of platform they have? What's the audience target that you're going to hit? It, you really have to look at everything from a business standpoint. Even when you're doing these things, these interviews, we were talking about networking. The interview is a way of networking because you're networking not just with the person who's doing the interview, but with the possible viewers and also with the network that the interviewer already has because people will also talk. And it's like, oh, you know, are you going to interview that band? Oh, they're great. You should really check these guys out and talk to them. Or ah, they're horrible at interviews, man. Like, don't waste your time. Just move on to the next one. So you have to look the same way you're looking at networking abroad. I think you have to look at networking through your own interviews and through your own outlets that you have these opportunities with. Yeah, one band that I can think of right off the bat, they a lot of their success, I think, is due to who does the interviews and that's undeath because alex is such a, a a pleasure to talk to he's such a gem and he's very well spoken and he does he does a great interview and i think that's one of the reasons why that band saw so much success is he's just he's so lovable <laughs> yeah i i love the dude i've had him on the channel i love the band right uh and he's and a lot of these newer bands some some guys really know it some guys really grasp it like enforcer is another band that comes to mind that, for example, we I, I know the guys really well, and I did my top 10 albums of the year. Their album didn't make my top 10. And and one of the guys commented on, on our YouTube video saying, uh, I guess we have to work harder on the next album in order to make your top 10. That's a very small comment, but it's a comment that, first of all, he took the time to watch the video, which I really appreciate. Um, he took the time to comment. It made me feel bad about it. So the next time they <laughs> they release an album, I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give it even more attention than where I give it this time around. And also, if he if he if one of the guys sends me a message say, hey, we have a new video coming out, would you guys check it out? I won't even think twice. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And this we're talking about just a comment, even on on YouTube. I mean, if you look at guys like um, Nick Nocturnal, for example, Tank the Tag, for example. Uh, when they were starting out, even now they still do it. When a band, a band that they like, releases a video or song that they like, you'll you'll see their names um, in the comment section of that video. And what you're doing is you're not only networking with the band that you're commenting on, you're also networking with the audience that's watching that video, because then they're going to see your comment and it's like, oh, who's this guy? Let me click here and go check it out. If if you don't know the person, so the networking is it's really interesting because it could be done in so many different ways with just with just one tool and one method can have a, a multitude of impacts at the same time so it, it's just creating really a frame of work creating a mindset and, and 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 creating a roadmap for what you want to achieve and create those check boxes that you can check along the way yeah for sure and tying that back to breaking into international markets and doing things on an international level you can do all of that from your computer at home. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to, and you're reaching people all over the world very easily. Yeah, because if, if you if if you want to, let's say, if you want to break into a specific, like when when we were starting, the way we broke into, for example, Finland is we started to check a lot of bands from Finland. You know, Winter Sun, Insomnium, this other band, that other band, whatever. Then we start checking out some of more unknown bands. 
and we started getting a following there. Next thing you know, a festival invited us to go there and do media coverage at the festival because they're like, oh, if you guys come here, people know who you guys are. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting to have you guys here. And for us, it's interesting from the aspect of, once again, networking, going there, getting to meet people. Uh, you know somebody who knows somebody. Uh, somebody who took us, for example, to Sonic Pump Studios. We got to meet the owners of the studios. We got to meet this person, that person. And, and, and that's how it is. But, you know, you have to really think about how you want to do it. And once again, sometimes you do have to spend some money in order to make some money down the road. You can't just look at opportunities that, oh, I'm not going to do this because there's this dollar amount attached to it and I'm not going to make any return on my money. You may not make any return on your money immediately, but the gains will come down the road. Sometimes you just have to have a little bit of a faith and vision forward. So I'm going to use that argument to convince the my husband that we should go to 70,000 tons of metal, right? You should do it. That's a great place for networking. Great place. I want to go so bad. <laughs> because if there's one festival that's great for networking, it's that one. Because everybody is in a good mood. Everybody's partying. The guard is down. Everybody's having a good time. It's a great way to promote to promote yourself with other bands, to network with other bands, with promoters, PR, journalists, whoever. I, I think picking the right festivals for that is important. Because not every festival offers those kind of opportunities. 70,000 tons, 100%. Inferno, 100% because of all the panels and everything that they have there. Um, you know, Beyond the Gates, another great festival for networking. You know what I mean? So there's some festivals that are better than others for that kind of networking. You just need to know uh, your sound, your style, what festival would fit you better, and which festival has the better opportunities. So once again, do your homework. Mm -hmm. learn good. how to swim if you go on 70,000 tons I can swim All right. I cannot just checking. really yeah so if, if Corey goes you have to bring her some floaties yep she gotta yeah. wear the floaties they can be black and they have like can they be like bright with pink with little frogs on them or something oh like, yeah they could do that too I was arm. like they'll be black with pentagrams and you're like can they be pink with frogs on them <laughs> bring okay, I'll just one black you can have whichever one pink with frogs on it. Corey, you can have whichever. It could be, it could be a pink want. frog with an inverted cross on his head or something. Oh, there you go. The perfect Very like Glenn words. Benton. Like a Glenn Benton pink frog. <laughs> Satanic Tico is going to rip off this idea. Totally. <laughs> I think that's a great place to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Pedro, for all the great insights on networking and everyone listening. Thank you for listening. And until next time, make it like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.